And we literally muck around. We just start talking. Yeah. And we don't even know that the tape is rolling. The tape could be rolling right now. I imagine it is. <laughs> and this may end up being a segment. <laughs> This is where the party ends. I can't stand here listening to you and your racist friend. I know politics bore you, but I feel like a hypocrite talking to you and your racist friend. Welcome to My Racist Friend, a podcast about the messy parts of relationships that helps us grow together. I'm Amy McKees. And I'm Don Griffin. Wow. I got it. He didn't even have to send it to me. But you know what? What's sad is that it's not even being recorded. <laughs> and that's the best. That's the best you've ever done it. <laughs> it is recorded? Thank you, dear. Oh, see? We got it. My first job was working for uh, Indiana Bell as a information operator. An information operator? Yeah, you know. So, like, when I dialed 555-1212, you'd be like... Hello, this is Indiana Bell. May I help you? you oh, what, say, city, what, what city? City, please? What, what city, please? Hello, this is Indiana Bell. What city, please? I'd say. That's what I'd say. And most of the time they say, Terra Hote. <laughs> I like Terra Hote. And I'd be like, yes. And then they'd say, uh, Columbia. Because RCA Columbia. Remember you, you used to get the one yeah. cent? Were uh, they in Terre Haute? They're in Terre Haute. Oh my God. Not Terre Haute. Terre that Haute. messed up my credit rating. It <laughs> messed up everybody's. <laughs> yeah, 90% of the calls were like Terre Haute. For Columbia. For Columbia. Oh Columbia House. Gosh. CBS Columbia House. That's what it was. That's funny. Yep. I was, uh, I was like 16 years old. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't know what they 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 you you went in and you took a test during the summer, mm-hmm. and they didn't ask you what your age was, and then they picked the people with the top, you know, like the the, the people that people had who the could top read phone books the best. And then it was like, well, so we got the interview, me and someone else. But they're like, um, you guys are in high school. We're like, yeah. What's wrong with that? And they're like, well. <laughs> I guess there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. But it was supposed to be a job that allowed you to, you know, uh, if you were good enough, they would hire you full time. But we had no intentions of, uh, me and this other high school student had no You weren't going to drop out and become. No. Good thing, because cell phones happened. Killed it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to explain to one of my kids recently that, you know, Kevin and I had one phone card. Okay. And it had, you know, a password that we would use. And that's what, like, if I was traveling Uh or Kevin was traveling or something, then we could dial Working Assets, which was like the liberal long distance company, and then enter our PIN number and then dial the phone number. Never heard of that. Okay. I think the reason why I brought that up is because. You know how we do our introduction and we have to remember what we say? Mm -hmm. The first thing that you do, that you would do, uh, when you got in your seat and you sat in front of your weird computer <laughs> that had weird numbers that the, the 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 key the keyboard was different like it it was you had to learn a different type of keyboard it wasn't the same as as what we have but you had you had your little headset and you'd rec- first of all you'd record your voice saying 
Indiana Bell, what city, please? You'd record it. Oh. And then you'd plug in your headset, press the button, and it would just, you didn't answer the phone. It would just keep going. Indiana, you, you had a recording of your voice saying, Indiana Bell, what city, please? Indiana Bell, what city, please? And you just, you were ready. So when I was in middle school, we had these contests to see who could get strangers to talk on the phone longest. That's weird. It's not weird. It's strange. Yes, it is. It's not any weirder than kids trying to, like, get strangers to talk to them on the internet, which is much which scarier. Which is weird. Stranger danger. <laughs> anyway, I, I do believe that we dialed 411 or 555-1212 on occasion and tried to see if we could get people to chat with us there but it didn't really work uh, you didn't get me on that day that was my big deal my big problem <laughs> you would have talked forever talk so where are you from that's an interesting <laughs> accent <laughs> yeah how you do well yeah god and they were like don all of a sudden my supervisor would come tap me on the shoulder tell me to turn it off they take me in a room you're talking too much <laughs> talking way too much <laughs> and nothing's changed nothing has changed except there's a mic in front of me <laughs> so so what are we what are we going to talk about today like so you wanted to talk about like how we think and our process or and... okay so here's what i think is interesting okay is um a few weeks ago we did this thing where we're like oh let's dive into me too and and that was a harder one for me because I had gotten much more comfortable with just sort of leaving it on you and mm -hmm. talking about race. You've been you've acted as the facilitator for most of our uh, most <laughs> of our thing, and I th and and I think it's because that's what you do. Well, it is, and I have thought of this as a part of my journey in wanting to become more anti-racist. You know that I can really think about these things in between and it has like i listened to some of our really early shows mm -hmm. and we've learned stuff like i've learned stuff which is cool because i was listening to the first one i'm like i would never say that now like some of the things that i said then mm -hmm. i don't think i would say now but pretty early we talked about making mistakes and trying to reflect relational cultural theory in our conversations mm -hmm. as well and so I was thinking about that today, and I was thinking about several years ago, maybe even a decade, I don't know, I had been out to one of the relational cultural theory institutes, they called them, and I came home just full of love and joy and connection, because that's what I get when I go to these, like I come home just on fire. And I was like, I am going to be authentic in all my relationships. I am going to feed my soul this way. I'm never going to be depressed again because I know that the answer is being authentic and having growth fostering relationships. And I was like waving people through stop signs and, <laughs> and having intense eye contact with the cashiers at Blooming Foods. And that was all great. And what I noticed was that I wasn't able necessarily to do that with my friends like I could do it with people I didn't know very well I could like do the the parts that weren't scary to me but the parts like of letting myself really show I wasn't 
very good at. Why? Because I had a facade. And it was hard to... Hard to and and part of that facade is hey I'm really easygoing and I'll show you what you know I'll show you how I am so so it's super complicated. Well, and we've known each other for a long time. And we know we've known yeah. each other since since high school. Yeah. And what I can say about you, and you've always been this way. I mean, even in high school, you're that person that people go to, and so maybe you never. You've never felt like you can be the person that can lean on other people. Oh, I don't know. I lean, but you lean, but <laughs> you don't. Make, but you weren't giving. You, you, you. I mean, you, you give in a certain way, like you give in a like helping, way. yeah, helping. Yeah. But you don't, you don't give out emotion. I, I think because there's always someone that you're trying to help, like emoting at me. You're, there's there's always somebody that you're trying to help. Maybe, maybe that's it. What? That started like this whole thing for me where I started peeling away some of those layers and, and it's taken, you know, since then, uh, once I was aware of that, I was determined to change it. And it involved like having more, um, scary and honest conversations with my close friends, which I did. And, um, and it turned out they didn't run away once they found out, you know, who I really was. And eventually it turned into me learning how to actually feel my own emotions and make that okay. If it was a negative emotion, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to have that. I don't feel that. Um, and I would try to put it away. And then over the last couple years, like the way that I approached doing the BCC for the first year, all I did was if something scared me, I leaned into it. So that's how I decided pretty much everything we did was we did the things that scared me most. Hmm. That's been really rewarding for me and scary. And I think I'm getting to a place. And as I was listening to us talk, because we liked each other. Yeah. Like. We liked each other, but we ne we never really knew each other. Right. Right. I mean, we knew socially each other you know yeah, we, we enjoyed each other like yeah we weren't friends friends right right does that make sense until yes, it makes we sense. until till i really i mean this journey here because you were so important in the starting of this uh -huh. and like sort of propping me up and <laughs> telling me that you weren't gonna help me find a building <laughs> just in case i fucked it up which is what i told you i wanted to do <laughs> And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, that started it. And then when we've done, when we've had these conversations mm. and we've just set aside time every week to listen to each other. And that's been really growth fostering mm -hmm. to get nerdy about it, but also lovely. And I am super grateful to you for doing it and i'm grateful for you they can't see that we're crying <laughs> i cry a lot in this when i was listening to it like i was driving around today i'm like why am i crying and i'm like oh oh yeah i remember it was talking about brie newsome and that one i started crying but no i i i so value your friendship yeah. i really do me too yeah 
And so I thought, you know, we'd talk about that and about like how, what that's like in that we don't enter into this with a script or really even knowing where we're going because what we're doing is just chewing on things and trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was like the thing. And then this afternoon I was, uh, wasn't feeling super great. Like I just was super tired or, and I, um, convinced Kevin to go ahead and handle the book fair chili cook-off without me so that I oh. could <laughs> just have some time alone and take a hot shower. And I was getting ready to either go join them or pick them up and come here and see you. And I looked down at my phone and the first thing I see is Joe Biden challenging someone to a push-up contest. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know. And I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on, let's do push-ups together, man. Let's do, let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's keep doing To a push-up contest. Yeah. Well, he's on the campaign trail. Like, so someone says something he doesn't like, and his response is to challenge him to a duel. And I'm already super crispy about politics in general Mm -hmm. right now. Like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to go there. And I've always loved politics, like reading about it and speculating about it. And I don't want to. So I'm like raging about the fact that toxic masculinity is to the point that the one party that is supposed to be feminists, right? Like I I think it's the Democrats that wear the pink pussy hats. I was thinking about that this morning too and getting mad. But their leading candidate, and then I'm, I'm like asking Siri, is Joe Biden still in the lead? And yes, Joe Biden is still in the lead. And so like the leading candidate for... In theory, my party is a man, an old white man, who is challenging people to push-up contests when they annoy him. But that's who he is. I know that's who he is. That is why Obama picked him. That's what rounded out the ticket. He chose Joe because it's a different demographic than who he was. But what's amazing is that it actually worked. And they actually became a really good team. I know I comforted myself in December of 2016 watching the, like, scrolling through screen after screen after screen of the Joe Bama memes. Mm-hmm. Those were fun. But crazy old Joe, he's always been crazy old Uncle Joe. That's kind of who he is. Now, whether or not you want him running your country, I'm not sure, but it depends on who else he picks. If he picks someone else, like an Elizabeth Warren, but, dang, I, I, I don't want to get into politics and tell you who I like and who I don't, because I like Elizabeth Warren, too. Mm-hmm. But I also like, I like Bernie, too. I do, too. Yeah. Dang, nabbit. Um, but it really pisses me off, I know. Too. <laughs> right now, people are just so concerned. I think they're, they're so concerned. Uh, about who can beat Donald Trump. Right, right. And maybe it's about who who can basically beat him up. I think maybe so that's maybe the image. So maybe it's about who would win the fucking push-up contest. <laughs> who would win the push If these two men got in a ring... Who, who... I actually thought that. When I first saw that, I thought, you know what I want? I want to lock them all up 
in like a padded room and close the door and come back in like a week. Who? Joe Biden, Donald Trump, all the old white men who were white, you doing can't, push-up contests. Wait, you can't hate old white men. You, because you, 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 I, I, I mean, that's what we're we're trying to. We're trying. I'm the one that's supposed to hate old white men, <laughs> not you. I'm just saying. Uh, you, Maybe you, we can just find commonality. I know. I, I, I understand. I understand your 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 concern, but on this next bus, the bus where we're all we all have a say in what happens. I don't think we're saying Where we want. I, I I don't think we're saying that white men can't have a say at all anymore. No, but when they dominate saying, the conversation, well, they, they do, do the push-ups. They, they do right now, but that's that's ending. I mean, that's that's what this last gasp is all is about. It, is it ending? It though? it better. That's where we're headed. The more we talk. That's, that, I think that's what we're because doing. Because of us, we're going to change it. We're, people like <laughs> us are going to change. The more that black people talk and white people talk and white women talk and, and, listen. And, and, and lesbian, bisexual, gay, the more that we all start to get together, poor white people and poor black people and poor people of all poor people. All, poor all people, the poor people. When they start talking and saying, you know what, we have been fucked around so much. And we need to stop going after each other. When we start doing that. I don't know that we will be able to hear each other or to talk to each other when we're working on a model of scarcity and of and of competition. Because there will still be, there's still, well, I need this. I want that. If, if you have it, I don't have it. I know, but that's the game that they've been playing with us forever. Right. That's what they, they, that's what, that's the game that they've been playing, that, that, I'm sorry, old white men have been playing with us, pitting us against each other, knowing that we will fight for what's left. And we don't want to do that anymore. We don't want to do that anymore. We want an equal seat at the table. We're not trying to say you can't have power. We just want everybody to have the same amount of power and everybody to have the same amount of. We could have the white men have less power for a while, couldn't they? Yeah, I mean that. That would. I mean that would be. I mean internally, I'm thinking that. But if if I'm running for office, I'm not (laughs) saying that. You're so okay. So this isn't it, though. Like I didn't get all horked up just because Joe Biden did. It's it's part of the big picture. It's like you you want him to be more. I and and I kind of was embarrassed. Remember, there was a lady that was following women politicians. She was doing an article on women in politics mm. here, and she was here in Bloomington, and we were doing an, it was an event for Liz Watson, Liz Watson mm-hmm. and we were upstairs at Nick's. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Well, I remember that event. And she asked, like, "What do you think? Why do you think women yeah. are are really pushing the party?" And I and I said something, and I I kind of felt bad when I after I said because she looked at me like I was an idiot. <laughs> I, and I said, I said because I think the Democratic men are, are oh, our listeners are going to hate me for this. I said I think they're wimping out. I said, I said the uh, women are not the, doing their pushups. I, I said the women are not are, are kicking our butt because the men, you know, I look at Trump and it kind of goes back to the idea that whole caveman idea of that people want someone that can protect them. They don't want to be bullied by the bully, but they'd rather be 
they'd rather be on the bully's team so that they're not bullied. Right. And you, what I'm saying is I is when I see that happening, I think the only way out is to not participate in that game. And, I hear you. And by you. not participate, what I mean is I don't want to support a candidate who challenges people to push-up contests. And I think that's that to me that feels like a low bar. It is a low bar, but we need the freaking low bar to actually win the doggone thing. That's the problem. There's not enough people on, uh, above the bar. There's more. Okay, I'm I'm listening. Okay. You know, the push-up thing, I was raging by the time I read the push-up thing cuz I was like this is this is where I live. This is the land I live in. It is the land that you live in. And this is the land where I birthed children. <laughs> and then I'm also, so I'm thinking that, and I think, well, maybe there's other news that's better. Uh-oh. Like, I know, stupid. Stupid! So I go, and I see that there's something about Nancy Pelosi is trending. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what that is. So I go to that. And she's kicking ass and wearing her white pantsuit Mm -hmm. and basically responding, like, in my opinion, politically, perfectly back to Trump. And there's a part of me that's like, she's wearing that white pantsuit. It's a code. She's talking to the women. She's saying, listen, it's our turn. We can vote. Like, the you know, the whole white pantsuit thing, right? And I have this moment where I'm like, Mm, I'm really happy. And then it's interesting because she's saying it in a super like smackdown way. Mm -hmm. But what she's saying is, I don't hate. And as a Catholic, I resent your using the word hate in a sentence that addresses me. I don't hate anyone. I was raised in a way that is a heart full of love and always pray for the president. And I still pray for the president. I pray for the president all the time. So don't mess with me when it comes to words like that. And so in a way, I'm even happier because I'm like, that's an example of not playing the game, of saying I'm not going to. But that's not really true because she is playing she the is game playing and she's totally smacking game. him down and she's she doing the sarcastic is. clap and she's she's power in a white suit. Which will get some of the people. That got you, right? It, that got you, that gets me. It but got it, me, but it immediately lost me. It both got me and it lost me. And then I had this thing where I was like, and I, I imagine that this happens for you too, but okay. for me as a woman, there's this thing that happens where I am immediately pleased to see myself reflected in leadership and to be like, oh, look, there's someone who looks like me. And that's wonderful. Like we're finally, they're, they're women actually doing the leading and at the same time I either see that it's another like the woman has to sort of fit herself into a man suit to do the work but also that I can't I can't really get excited for her because any woman who is in that kind of position right now has gotten there by playing by the old school rules like when Jada was on and she was talking about how in 2016 Hillary was playing by 2008 rules and Trump was playing by a totally different set of rules and that our response to those rules has been to go even farther out. And I know that like I align well with AOC, but I can't I can't like Nancy Pelosi and AOC because they don't 
fit because she didn't like the green deal or I don't know I know but how that happened you but... gotta <laughs> white folks you gotta learn how to comprehend you can't right get that's everything. what I'm saying it's I can so... never get everything that I want I can't I never that, that you, you understand what I'm saying this is you you got to find the you got to weigh the positives and the negatives and understand that there is not one if if the democratic party is who they say they are which is a huge tent okay yeah we're a big tent party we're a big tent party every leader that we see is not going to necessarily be speaking to you the question is can they all get together are any of them you just you said AOC. You talked yeah. about her in, in in the Green Deal. You like her, yeah. But no one wants to put crazy uncle in charge. We've already got a crazy uncle in charge, and African Americans especially are just focused on who is going to win, who is going to get this crazy man out, right? Who that and that's which con- is very practical. They're, they're on a practical level. I mean, they, they and it's never been about finding the idea the the perfect candidate, right? It, it, be, even before this, um, and that's I think that's what Dee Dee's telling me when she talks about Joe is that she thinks he can win. That's what that's and what he we're... touched her face in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean that's what we're concerned. I think that's what black and brown people are mostly concerned with. I think women are concerned with 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 that too because of their you know their their reproductive rights are 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 you kidding me four more years could you imagine did you see the what Ohio these guy that wanted to, to reimplant ectopic pregnancies oh my god yes I saw that what the, it's like this bizarro world okay there's more okay let's hear it to my news falling into hole okay so I had my little moment. Where I was happy and then not happy with watching Nancy talk. And then I scrolled. I'm like, well, maybe there's something else. And I land on an eight-year-old. And this was, I guess, the news last winter. But I was probably not reading news at the time that it came out. And this is uh, like they've closed the investigation. So that's why it's in the news again. But that there's an eight-year-old. Eight year old who died from suicide after being bullied and the picture of him is this you know little black kid wearing like a bow tie and a vest to school because he liked to dress for school and it's like a pale green color it's not even like just dark manly colors and, um, you know, he's, a, he's adorable. And, and I see that. <laughs> I was really mad. And I think that is what happens. Like, that's the world where people challenge each other to push up contests. Mm-hmm. Is we have this toxic... This toxic masculinity that is so pervasive that teachers don't, like his teachers, they knew he was being bullied, but they didn't think it mattered that much. You know, they were like, well, kids just don't like him because he takes school seriously. 
And there's a few times where I have the same feeling that I had the night of the election, right? When I, you know, sat there watching and, you know, had friends there who were still saying, well, maybe, maybe he's going to win this state. <laughs> or maybe she's going to win this state. And I just knew, like, I knew early on, I was like, no, 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 this is not turning around. This is it. This is the world we live in. And I had, you know, I felt sick. And I felt sick the next morning. And then, you know, my dad died and I felt sick. And I don't get that level of overwhelm in my, like, whole body very often anymore. I think, you know, we get used to it. Mm -hmm. But I had it, like, it just like washed over me just like images of Trump doing the shark thing behind Clinton and the just the, all of the ugly images that have come across our news feed and Jada talking about the four-year-old being thrown by police and I don't I don't think you can I know you want to <laughs> what I, want to do. I know what you want to do is you want to tell me something that's going to make me feel better Yes, I'm going to tell you. Okay. No, I don't want you to make me feel better. I just want you to hear it. Okay, I'm listening. That's all. And wonder with me, like, is there some... Are there things we can do here to make that toxicity that is... It's not, it's not Republican or Democrat. It's this gross mashup of white supremacy and the patriarchy <laughs> woven into this lie that we breathe in and out for our, our whole lives and I want to I want to be different and I think that for me the way that we're different is we listen to each other and I and I feel like we have that here like you and I have mm -hmm. have had that and it has been lovely like I said earlier <laughs> just gonna come right back around and And, and that's what I want. Like, I want that in our community. I want, I want the conversations to not be about winning. Because even when, you know, Joe is just blatant, you know, with the fucking push-ups. Like, that's just because he doesn't have a very good filter to say it in a more socially appropriate way. Like, the way that it gets done really well is how Nancy Pelosi did it. I, I was reading Huffington Post, which I do. I look at Huffington Post probably every, you know, ten minutes. I'm like, what is, what's next? But there was actually a, there was actually a someone who was writing in defense of how he responded. They're like, he said, I, I would have responded the same way. Oh, good. Like, I don't even. So, so listen. So, so here's the positive. You're, you're, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the positive, okay? All right. With all this, hit me. All right, the whole idea of American exceptionalism is based on masculinity. It's based yeah. on on that we can kick anyone's ass, and we've been living that lie. Not that it, we can kick just about anyone's ass, but we've we've equated that with being exceptional at everything you, you or, know or with being good with being yeah being good and being a hero and 
and all this other stuff. And I think with Trump, it's kind of, it, it brought it all to a head. For years, we could live in that shadow. Some of us could, but there was others that, that they were didn't big. didn't get the protection of the shadow. Yes. My, when, you know, when my grandparents and when they, when they came back from the war, they did not receive the same kind of hero's welcome and mm-hmm. financing and all that other shit that everybody else did, you know? Yeah. My grandfather had to put his, his drugstore in a black neighborhood. There was no other place, and, and they had to live in that predominantly black neighborhood. Yeah, they, they, they had three lots that they put their house on, but it was still the same. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So all this... The, the whole idea of Reagan being such a great president for brown people and uh, oh my it, God. It, it, it wasn't a, a fun time. Well, voodoo economics never worked for, for oh, gay people. For gay for... people. Oh my God, mm. right? The yeah. AIDS? Are you kidding me? They didn't even take that seriously. Are you, oh, I don't even want to. You're too young to have had Mr. Man, are you? Someone just brought up Mr. Man to me. I'm and I don't so think sorry. it was you. I don't think it was you. Where it's he was a teacher. Everyone loved, loved him. Mr. Man. He was a teacher at South mm-hmm. that came before I got there. That that was he, that was there. He left when I was a junior, I think. So maybe your freshman year, he had left, and he didn't tell. He didn't ever show up sick to school. Like he didn't appear sick to me. What I heard was that he went to. Mexico in search of a cure for the disease that he had, which I'm sure was AIDS. It was. And he, like, even when he was, you know, fighting for his life in Mexico, he wrote back to me when I would write no, him my No, are you letters. kidding me? Yep. I wrote him, like, these long... I've recently uncovered some of the letters that I sent in my teenage what? years, and I was so self-centered and boring, and he's still, like read all those letters and responded commenting on how good of a writer I was and how amusing I was and how he loved God. hearing from me and it made him smile and laugh and you were like this is this is like the second or third time that his name has came up mm-hmm. and I never had heard about him yeah and and I, from everything that I've heard he was a wonderful teacher he was he really was you know who else was that? do you remember the teacher who started he he was uh he was the leader of sounds of south before gwen Witten came there no but well, south fired him because he came out well the story about mr man and i have no idea if this was true but the thing that we heard from the older kids when we were freshmen was that some parents had complained about mr man you know he'd wear his like shiny suits and his pink tie and mm-hmm. um and some parents complained and he marched like the story was like he marched right down to the office and he told Gary that was his name right Gary the principal okay I think I can just picture the t-shirt Rob Harrell made that said thanks Gary oh that's (laughs) right that's right that's right but um he marched down there and he told him he didn't care he would love who he loved and they could do what they wanted. And then he marched right back and he kept on teaching. And I have no idea like if he really did that or not or if someone But that's the legend. Let's but that keep was it. the legend of of KR man. So we But he's someone who probably also knew that 
you know, the mm-hmm. beauty of Reagan wasn't actually beautiful. So all this was going down. Mm-hmm. Decades and decades and decades, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and half the folks thought that we were who they thought we were. That we were this caring community and country that racism was dead. Getting Obama elected. He was like the cherry on top of he us was, curing he, we racism. We finally did it. It had been, it, mm-hmm. look, it had been happening all these years and finally it happened. People forgot about Rodney King and mm-hmm. all the other shit that, that happened and and, mm-hmm. and Obama served a purpose. So Obama, he was a president who was black, but he wasn't necessarily the black president. He, right. He did his job in the sense that the idea is to get someone there that did a great, that's black, that did a great job, right? Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a normal thing. It, it normalizes the fact that we've got a black man that... Now there can be a woman president. Now there can be a, a Latino president. That that was where we thought we were headed. Do mm-hmm. you understand? We were wrong. We were so fucking wrong. But it's good that we were wrong. <sighs> Look, no, I don't mean it's good that we were wrong. I, I think... I think Trump had to happen to wake up everybody else because you know how you felt that day you know how you felt that morning that 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 day and then you woke up in the morning thinking that maybe it was a dream and then you're like oh shit that really happened Mm -hmm. and you felt dejected you felt like the country that you thought you were in love with all of a sudden you realized that over half the nation did not think like you did that they didn't care that they didn't care Mm -mm. And, and th- I think that needed to happen so, so that it, this could happen. We couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't keep going on. Do you know, to, for, right. For I real could have chat, some understanding of what it might be like to be black in I, this I, country. I think, I think. I mean, it, not that it is the same No, I, at I all, think but, you start looking at things like when it starts affecting how yeah, your life. When it comes life, for you. When it comes for you. Mm-hmm. And, it start, and it came for everyone else that is not white, Christian. And old, an old man. Let's be honest. Well, you know there are young people who I I know, but they're they're old they're, inside. They're okay because they realize that one day they're going to be an old white man. <laughs> <laughs> a trickle so, down. You know what I mean? I found a way to bring this all together. Okay, please do. I'm you. sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no, go no. Off. This oh, is yeah. actually you know you're talking about being about discovering that we're not who we thought we were of, of, you know, sort of seeing the underneath and seeing the truth. And, and actually I, Kevin and I got there a little bit this morning when we were walking the dog and talking about Newt Gingrich and like sort of counting backward. And then from there I went, I like went all the way back to world war two. And then I went, I just kept going and it fell into sort of a hole and I probably didn't start off the day in a great way, but that is part of what happened to me. And now I do feel a little bit better. Because I'm seeing that that's part of what happened to me when I came home and I wanted to connect with everyone because I was a big, shiny ball of love from my conference in that the work that I had to do to start connecting authentically with my dear ones was 
uncovering those parts was being able to look at the at the parts that scared me and i think that that's what that's what we're trying to do here too is to step into the uncertainty and to look at the parts we don't we can't really see or we haven't been able to see because it's obscured or it's scary or there are societal structures that prevent us from seeing it. But by listening to each other, we can see it a little bit better. And hopefully, when people hear us talk, they'll do the same thing. Because we put our at this is this is actually this is actually draining and hard. Even though we enjoy ourselves, it's still exhausting. It's very yes. exhausting. <laughs> To do this, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. No, I'm. I love doing this. I love right. doing it, but we are doing it for other people too. Mm-hmm. You understand? We're, we're doing this so that other people will start, will also start engaging, mm-hmm. and start getting to know that person that they just kind of know superficially. You know that they haven't had a chance to reach down and and find out who they are because if they did they might find one of their best friends mm-hmm. i think that's what i did that's yeah you know yeah that's what's happened here huh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, more people have got to do this and we're going to bring other people on other yes, people we that are. we don't that we if, don't get a chance to talk to we're, sometimes people that we don't think that we have anything in common with at all as long as you're interested in mucking around and possibly crying a little bit, <laughs> you're welcome here. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is fun, but it is draining. Yeah. And it's a lot longer probably than it sounds like on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, we have to do our talking around our talking. Well, I'm glad you shared today. Thanks for listening. Absolutely. This episode of My Racist Friend is a production of the Bloomington Center for Connection, an organization using relational cultural theory to promote social change through connection. This conversation between Don Griffin Jr. and Amy McKee, LCSW, was recorded on Thursday, December 5th, 2019, and edited for this podcast by Kevin McKee. Theme music lovingly sampled from Your Racist Friend by They Might Be Giants. Follow the Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook and other social media platforms. You and your racist friend. Oh my gosh. At least I didn't expose them to my entire fall through the hole of how really this all did you happened have, with the nuclear bomb. Did you and have then more? I thought maybe it started before that. You had, you had more though, right? You had no, more, No, no, no. Right? That's, that's good. We're good here. We can... Full stop. You sure? <laughs> yes. Okay.